0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your host Greg Jones at Coach Greg Jones Instagram and Facebook, along with my co-host Chris Edmonds, lead Mountain Dog diet trainer and gym owner himself. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: Man, it's 65 degrees and sunny, and I just trained back, so Wow. It's a great day.
0: <laughs> so what What we're talking about, guys today is I'm actually going to be interviewing Chris and his kind of upbringing, what led him into bodybuilding, what led him into training and being a coach, um the timeline that has got him there, his experience. so you can get a better understanding of um, him and I with with these interviews and as to who we are and kind of our background and, and you know what 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 makes us tick, what makes us work. And if you find value in that, in, in yourself, um, in using us as coaches or, or somebody to listen to, uh, to kill your time also. Um, so Chris, (laughs) let me start off. Let me start off by, um, your athletic, uh, beginnings and when you started sport, if and when you, you know, when you started lifting, but what was your, what was your beginning in athletics and, and what did that all comprise of?
1: Of course. Um, I, I grew up playing outside in sports my whole life, and I really feel like that's what kind of led me to the path I'm now. Um, I think my brother and I, uh, and cousins spent more time outside playing like backyard football or basketball, baseball in our backyard, um, on the golf course with my dad uh, more than we spent inside. So, um, I think it stemmed from there, and that's where I really found that you know it didn't matter what we were doing, we were competitive as hell. And like, that's what was fun to me uh, as a child. And I was naturally drawn to football more so than I played basketball in the winter, uh, played baseball and golfed a ton in the spring and summer. And then it was right back into football. And, you know, I think football came naturally because I love being physical. Um, And my youth team, it was the same group of kids we played from, six years old to 18 together and we were super successful in terms of winning. So, you know, anytime you're a kid and you win a bunch of games and get medals and giant trophies and you're on TV, like that's kind of cool. So, um, I think I was naturally drawn towards that sport more so than the others, even though I really liked them. Um, I, I just found that when it was time to put a football helmet on in the summer and strap some pads on and go hit somebody and score touchdowns, like that's, that's what stoked my fire. Um, and right. was just kind of scratched every itch I wanted. And, you know, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I think that led me to essentially be very obsessive about things. You know, I if it was Saturday, we were watching college football. If it was Sunday, we were watching the NFL. And, uh, I mean, we went to tons of Virginia Tech Hokie games. And we went to a handful of Redskin and Panther games because that's kind of close to us. Um, as we discussed earlier, I'm a diehard Redskin fan. So once they uh, – we could get – Tickets there, it was uh, always a blast as a kid. So, even as an adult, we'll take the boys and Angela and we'll go. So, um, I really think that's what taught me how to essentially be a man. Um, and I, that's why I think I encouraged Ty, our older son, to play from the time he could get his hands on a football um, to now he's in middle school, getting ready to start high school next year. And coach wow. and really nurtured his, uh, development in football. And that, that was the way my brother and I could really, you know, do something together again, um, and coach his team and and, and his buddies. So we, uh, that, that kind of led me in later in life to coaching. So, um, which is really funny, um, how I ended up part-time football coach trainer, um, which is, is a whole nother topic if we want to talk about that one day, but, um, Oh yeah. You know, I, I really feel like that's where I was developed. You know, we learned hard lessons. I had a, a, a hard group of young coaches um, when I was a youth, and they pushed us hard, hard, hard. And, like, I loved it. Uh, you know, you said yes, sir, no, sir. You didn't talk back. You respected those men um, as if they were your parents. And, um, and no matter what situation we were, if we were out at a banquet or, um, we'd go to football games together or on a game day or practice, like I always looked up to those men and they helped me lead into middle school, which eventually led into high school where, um, I first met, um, it was, uh, my high school coach was, his name is, uh, Tony Hart. And to this day, um, yeah, I know we're going to get into who my mentors were later in this interview, but th- that outside of my dad was my first true mentor in life. And um, wow, okay that that um, that man he he knew how to push my buttons uh, from the day I met him when I was in eighth grade um, to the day I graduated um, high school. He knew how to push my buttons and get the most out of yeah. me. Um And you know, I had a h- awful habit of. I'd drop a ball, I'd miss a tackle, and I'd rip my fucking chin strap off, right? And he'd get in my face and just eat my ass alive. And um, I needed that. I need hard coaching, and that's what I love. And that's what I think I'm drawn to. You know, we'd watch film, and he would fast-forward through the good place. You know, you score a touchdown, make a bunch of people miss, you get an interception, you know, you return a kickoff for a touchdown. He'd fast-forward through that shit because, in his opinion – like That's not where you get better. You already made a great play. Move on. We'd watch play after play after play, rewind play, rewind play of areas where we could get better and how we can improve technique. How could we run a better route? How could we score more? How could we prevent less touchdowns? Um, and right. that ultimately molded me, I believe, to how I coach most of my athletes. You know, I don't necessarily do a lot of praise. I'm awful at cheerleading. Um, if you eat your meals and train your balls off, that's what you're supposed to do. Good. Like keep doing that. Where do we fail? Where can we get better? And you know, some people struggle with that type of tough coaching. Um, and I have to, well, I've had to learn how to tone that down to some extent for certain people and other people I crank it up. And so, so
0: let me ask you really quick. So what is your thoughts and opinions on participation trophies?
1: I absolutely hate Give it. it. <laughs> okay. Hate it. Um Do I think you need to reinforce the idea of you participated, you tried your best, if that's true, if that's a true statement? Um Yes, I, I think you can get a certificate that say I, that you participated in a program. Do I think that's worthy of a trophy? Hell no. Um Right, my wife would probably slap me in the face and tell me how that's so awful for (laughs) for child development, (laughs) being that she's a counselor. Um, But okay, um, (laughs) uh, no, I hate it, man. Um, No one wants a eighth place trophy. Um, The trophies that mean something are the ones that say champion. The ones that say yeah, you you know. overall uh that we're into well not
0: not everybody needs to be a most valuable player not everybody needs to be you know offensive captain defensive captain and that's okay there are team players it's a team not everybody needs to be recognized and be a star in, in my opinion right um and i won some awards early and later in life and i'm sure you did too Um, but you know, I don't, I don't feel everybody needs to be recognized for that. Yes. You're a participant on the team. You made the team. Um, as I see it, you know, if you're on the team and participating and practicing with the team, you're a valuable member of it. Now, if you get cut and they don't even want you on it because you're a bad seed or, you know, you're not contributing, have a, a rotten attitude, then that's another thing. Um, so let me ask you, when, when did you start lifting for football and, and lifting weights. And how did that come about into your, you know, training for football or for for sure athletics in general?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're right. We're right there at it. Um, the summer of going into eighth grade, um, for me, so I was a seventh grader rising eighth grader. Um, I was tinkering around in my parents' basement and I came across, my dad had this plastic cement filled weight set from when he was, in his twenties. And, um, I found that. So I begged him to let me set that up in our basement. And, uh, he agreed. So him, my brother and I built, uh, it was, it was a, it was like a bench press, a squat rack, lat pull down, CD cable row, leg extension, leg curl. And he had like adjustable dumbbells and a curl bar. And I begged him to let me do that. So, um, (laughs) we, we set it up. I found his old weight belt that he had from when he was 20, and I still wear that to this day, Um, every day when I lift. It is the the best weight belt I've ever had. Um, It's the only weight belt I've ever used. And uh, it's a single prong leather weight belt, and I love that thing. And I've driven two hours back to a gym to go get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, that shows you how batshit crazy I am about it. Like I protect that thing. It's it's, it's
0: kind of like your little blankie. Oh, you're it's damn your right. It's know, safety net. You know, yeah, it's your in, blankie. In, in my gym it's your bag your workout blankie. In,
1: in my gym bag, man, I probably have $3,000 worth of shit between bands and attachments and Beats headphones and shoes and tons of other shit, right? But that belt- Is it like a hockey bag?
0: Is it a big-ass big hockey it, bag? It's or a
1: big-ass duffel bag. And um, <laughs> I always joke, like, I could watch someone walking out with it, right? I would scream at them and say, please leave my weight belt. You can have the rest of that shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because i can replace everything in that bag except for that belt right um yeah i wore it all through high school i wore it through college i wore it to this very day um and it's kind of cool and one day i'm going to give that thing to Ty and let him wear it and then hopefully he'll give it to daxon one day and then they'll give it to their boys so um if it withstands that much punishment so it, it, it hadn't broke it's it's really well good so um, anyways, right. in there, uh, in that set, I found his weight belt. I found some lifting gloves, which I didn't wear. Um, and then I found the Arnold encyclopedia of bodybuilding, like the, the, the original one. Um, and okay. I didn't really know what to do with all the shit. And, um, so my dad bought me a subscription to, it was bigger, faster, stronger. Um, it was a magazine and it had a picture of, um, David Bay on it, which was a receiver from, um, the Arizona Cardinals. And I opened it up, and it had his entire training program, and he was fucking shredded. Um, and I was like, ooh, that's what I want to look like. That's what I want to do. I, I want to catch a bunch of touchdowns, and I want to be that dude. So, I did it to the best of my ability. Um, I did his workout. So, what I would do was I'd find his exercise, and then I'd look that up in the Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, and I would do the form off of that, if that made sense. So... If he yeah. had squats, yeah. I'd look it up in the Arnold encyclopedia and then that's how I would do it. <laughs> um, so that's what got me into lifting. And then I did that all winter. Um, and my parents were like, oh man, he's really taking this serious. Like, no, listen, at serious. it wasn't serious, but to them it was, um, I'd go down my basement and no matter if it was a hundred degrees or 30 degrees, I'd do it. And, um, they my mom reached out to the football coach at my high school and said hey my son is a rising eighth grader can um he come lift with you guys in the summer and uh they said sure so as a rising eighth grader i went and lifted with grown men in my eyes um and we did an hour of lifting and then i'd ride with one of the older guys back to the high school and we do conditioning for an hour and um that's what got me into lifting. So we would do the big three. It, was, um, it wasn't it was a deadlift, but it was a, a power clean, bench press, and squat. And then right. however long that took us, then to fill in the remaining time for an hour, we would um, get to do whatever we wanted. So a lot of guys did curls and played around on machines and did ab stuff. I was always drawn to leg stuff, so I did lunges and leg press, and I was a weird guy. Was there
0: any official... Uh, kind of a trainer, strength coach, coaching you you boys? Or were you guys kind of self-taught and using the uh, Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding to kind of, for
1: technique? So the older kids taught us how to lift. Um, Okay. So juniors and seniors kind of mentored you essentially how to do it, um, which was awful. Um, (laughs) And why I kind of (laughs) cringe when I hear it's done that way. Um, My again, that coach who I view as my original mentor, um, he kind of took me under his wing because even at that time, like even though kids were so much bigger and stronger than I was, um, I I was just going to go, I knew one speed and I was full. And he saw me one day trying to do power cleans and he was like, can you do this again? And I said, sure. So he spent an entire hour with me teaching me how to power clean. And we went from me, Power cleaning 65 pounds to 185 pounds in the summer, um, which was insane. Wow. And, um, yeah. I mean, there so was so you're
0: what you're 14 or 15 at this point. I was 14. 14?
1: 14. Well, okay, and there were seniors that at, what'd you at, weigh? How much did you weigh? I was 155, 160. Um, oh, that's
0: not that's not bad. At no, 14. no, that's um, actually, yeah, you weren't a late bloomer at all.
1: No, and I was the height I am now. So I was 5'10 in the seventh grade. Um, so I didn't grow an inch. I didn't grow an inch after seventh grade, which is hilarious. Um, I'm sure some doctor would tell me because I put a heavy-ass ball like on the, my back. You,
0: you were like the jolly green giant at 12, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I was tall. I, dude, I played center in basketball as an eighth grader. And I'll I bet. played I played point guard as a freshman. Like, it was the weirdest shit. <laughs> <Wow>. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I shot up. I hit puberty really early. So How was, was your
0: motor coordination? How were your feet? Did you have good feet? Yeah, they,
1: yeah, they weren't bad. I was oh, I've, oh I've, okay. I've, I've always been really athletic. I had a good forty. Um, I could right. move pretty well. I had a pretty good vertical. Um, and uh, like, sports just came fucking natural, especially on the football field. And um, so, were you
0: naturally we, aggressive?
1: Yeah, um, I liked to hit okay. people in the mouth, man. Um, it was funny. okay. But I also like to yeah. run. I like to run by people. Um, so equally. Um, so what's really interesting is we got my hand clean, power clean, really good, really quick. And I was I was in the eighth grade doing shit that seniors were doing, which was interesting. Um, squat came right. super easy to me, um, in terms of muscular strength and depth and coordination. The bench press I was fucking awful at. Um, and so those two movements did really well, which is good for football, right? You know, lots of power um right hips
0: s- hips legs which you've i'm sure always had a hundred
1: percent so my high school coach yeah. he told us uh, he told me he looked me in the eyes and said listen the moment you get done he found out what i played and i said listen i play basketball and baseball he said the moment basketball gets over he said start coming to the high school after after school and middle school ride the bus to the high school get off and um start doing our off-season training stuff well that led me into like taking it really really serious and we did Bench clean squat every day. Well, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we do conditioning after, and then we play like seven on seven. And that kind of led me into really falling in love with the weight room. Cause I found that the stronger I got, the more I worked on agility, the better I was on the field. So like I was, I would always get extra lifting in. And, um, that just came really natural to me, man. I, I loved it. And, once football was over for me personally, I was like kind of lost on what to do. And I kind of realized through life that I think I actually may have enjoyed lifting and training for football games more than, than actually playing. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because I mean, you and I talk all the time, like I'd love to strap on a helmet and again, hit somebody or, you know, get my hands on a ball and try to run somebody over. Um, but I, I really found that I liked the progression of, Getting stronger, getting bigger. Um, I went from, I think I was like, as a freshman, I think I was 165-ish. I graduated at like 180-ish. In college, I graduated probably just a hair over 200, and I'm 241 today. So um, I didn't make any drastic jumps in terms of size, but I think anyone that looks at me that knew me through high school would be like, you're a whole different fucking animal now. Um, right. Which is good. Um, but I've just steadily gone up in weight. Um, as I've went through life, uh, as a bodybuilder, which transitioned into bodybuilding where I kind of met a guy who took me under his wing in the gym when I was like, it was really funny. I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. I actually got into when I was in college working at Abercrombie and Fitch. Right. And, one of the guys who was the store manager there was a monster. He was like two fifty at five ten, and he knew how to train. And he was like, he saw me at the gym a couple of days, and he was like, "Man, you you really get after it, but you don't really know what you're doing." And I was like, no, "No, no, I don't." And he was like, "Come train with me one day," and I was like, "Okay, cool." So he he took me under his wing and showed me like. What a bodybuilding split looked like, and had to train for a bodybuilder, and um he introduced me to some of his buddies who are way bigger than me. And the what's really funny in life is that they would destroy me in upper body, right? And so arms, back, chest, um, shoulders, they would kill me. But when it came to leg day, like I could squat with them and leg press and hack squat and lunge with them all day, which was yeah. interesting because I, I, I shit, I was barely probably 185, 190 and um, right. they're 250 monsters with no neck. But v- I knew how to squat because I'd done it for football for years. And like I told you, like right. that, that lift just made sense to me. So they liked it because they are like, oh, this young kid will fucking push us in the ground on legs. And then they embarrassed me in upper body. So right. he kind of introduced me into like how to eat, what supplements to take. Um, you know, he, he really guided me in terms of like, staying away from drugs um which was good Um, wow
0: yeah that's cool
1: and he was like he he really taught me the basics of bodybuilding which was you need to nail your food you need to train like there's no tomorrow and don't rush the whole drug thing because once you play that card initially you're never going to get to play it that hard again um so he pushed me to just ride it out and I'm forever grateful for that and that's what you know any young kid I work with I think that's why I probably try to pass that along to them because that's who taught me how to do it and you know I'll never forget that one of the greatest lessons he ever taught me was uh I showed up to train with him on back one day and like it was really cool to have like those bro cutoffs and I stripped down to that and he looked at me and he goes Chris have you ever seen me wear one of those and I said no he goes there's a fucking (laughs) reason (laughs) <laughs> and he goes, once you get my size, you will want to be covered up. Because if not, you get 30,000 questions of workout. And from that day forward, right. I've always trained in a t-shirt and a hood. And I mimic exactly like he said. Because to this day, I, I always remember how big he was and the lessons he taught me. Like, Here's a funny story for you guys. When we trained together, when I trained with him, he didn't believe in 10s, 5s, and, and halfs. You made quarter plate jumps, and it didn't matter if you were curling, doing skull crushers, or bench pressing. Um, that's funny. I he made me curl the fucking straight bar until I could do ninety five, and <laughs> I, I couldn't go up from ninety five until I could do one thirty five. And <laughs> right. um, do listen, was that great knowledge? Maybe, maybe not. But it taught me to get fucking right. strong, and um, that's just kind of he was a country boy. I always joke he was corn fed and. Yeah, that's that was his deal. So he kind of taught me the ropes and which was cool. Um, and then that kind of led me, he, he moved sadly, and I was kind of lost again for a little bit. And that was of the times of like when bodybuilding magazines were popular. And that's when like muscular development was starting to do some like online stuff where it was like showing workouts of what the pros did. And yeah, I was drawn to so that. Is this-
0: is this post uh, yes. college or yes
1: uh This is like mid, probably junior senior, um, of in college. Co- okay, so yeah.
0: Okay, so you're like twenty. Yeah, 21, twenty, twenty one. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. And, um, okay.
1: This led me to like I was drawn towards Milos. I I saw a bunch of his giant set stuff, and I, I always thought it was cool. Like him and like Charles Glass was really in, intuitive on how to train people, and I always thought it was cool to learn how to train and be a personal trainer, I'm like, man, it's such a cool job, but I'm not big like those dudes, I don't have the resume those guys do, like, I don't really want to train general population people, like, I want to train athletes and bodybuilders, and that's what I want to do with my life, and so I'll never forget, I went to my college advisor, and um, I said, hey, you know, I think I want to train people, what do you recommend, and He's like, okay, cool. What's your degree in again right now? And I'm like, well, I'm working towards business administration because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And my dad was like, listen, learn how to manage money and develop businesses and you'll be in a good spot for life. So that's what I was my initial freshman, sophomore year was. And then I was going to switch my major over, but the uh, academic advisor was like, look, you go, to a, you go to a private school, it's going to cost you a shitload of money to do that. Get your business degree, but then get certified to be a personal trainer um, on your own time through um, a certification process. And so right, he, he right. led me to the athletic director of the college I went to, and I met with him. And he set me up on where to go and what to get. And um, what's really interesting is for my college graduation, that's when my parents bought me. Um, was a certification process and the books and the manuals and all the webinars for to become a personal oh, okay. trainer. Um, yeah. So that led me to that, um, and which was really cool because at the time it was like right at twelve hundred bucks, and I was a college kid. I didn't have that kind of money to go buy that. Um, so. That's what kind of led me to the personal training world. And so I worked for my dad all summer, um, all through college when I could. Um, and when I had like winter breaks and things, he owns a general contracting company. So I worked all summer with him and he, was, he looked at me and he was like, are you getting certified or what? And I was like, I guess so. And he's like, no, that's bullshit. I spent $1,200 on this for you. You're going to do it. So um, I studied for that exam for a week. All the materials I've written through all of it in a week, and then I got certified on Friday. So Monday through Thursday, I treated it like a job. I took off from work for them, eight hours a day. I was studying that book and went in took the uh, CPT for um, NSCA and passed with like ninety some percent. So wow,
0: that, that's a tough. That that's that's one of the upper echelon certifications again yeah yeah. my athletic director
1: told me he's like look if you want to get a good job as being a trainer like you can't get one of those bullshit ones you can like study open book he's like you need to get one that's stout like you need to be a a proctored test yeah a proctored exam and so me like anything in life i just bare knuckled down and said you know i'm gonna study eight hours a day and do this thing well I feel like I was fortunate because I I had a great grasp of anatomy and biomechanics at a young age um, because I'd read so many bodybuilding magazines at this point that all I really needed to dig my heels in on was like special populations in terms of like diabetics and preteen and adolescence and, you know, hypertensive, pre-postpartum, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. Disease-state stuff. Yeah, all, all the formulas yeah. and stuff I needed to learn. So I dug my heels in, studied, and passed it. Well, at that point, I was like, "Well, there was a, there was a ton of gyms in my town, and I didn't really know which one I wanted to work at." So they just opened this like massive gold's gym that was in a pre sale center at the time. So I was like, "Man, I want to get into this gym when it's like nine 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 a month." Well, I was there one day training, like personally working out. I was doing a bad workout. And this dude comes over to me who I thought actually was gonna yell at me for making too much noise in training. <laughs> right. And he's like, Hey man, I've seen you in here a couple of times, and he's like, uh, you just seem to know what you're doing. And I was like, Okay, yeah. And I was like, I was super standoffish because naturally I'm a very introverted person. And um right, he said, Would you happen to be certified to be a trainer? And I kind of chuckled and he said, what, What's funny? And I said, I actually just got certified uh, last Friday. And this was Monday. (laughs) And he was like, are you CPR and AED certified? I was like, yes, sir. And he goes, you want to come for an interview tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, let's do this thing. So I went home. I told my dad. and He's like, holy shit. You mean to tell me you studied for four days, passed it, and then you're going to have a job in a week? And I was like, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that kind of leads me to like, Man, my my life's been super fortunate. Um, The cards have always aligned for me for the most part if I did what I needed to do. So I got to thank God for that, for putting me in a great family. Um, So long story short, um, uh, he hired me on as a trainer, and I just didn't say no to people. I knew that in the environment that I was going to work in that um, I was the least experienced of all the staff, and um, the only way to get experience was to do it. So... I told him day one, I was like, how how long is the gym open? And at the time it was open 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. And I said, okay, cool. That's what I want to work. And he's like, well, what days? And I said, all of them. And um, he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I I love to be in a gym. Like I said, I come from a general contracting background as a job. So I'm in an air conditioned environment where I get to play with weights all day. Like this is fucking vacation. This isn't work. I'm used to throwing mulch and building retaining walls and mowing grass. Like that's hard. And he's like, Right. Okay, like whatever. So, I worked in that gym for seventy to eighty hour weeks for the first two years of training there, and um, went from being brand new to the company's best selling trainer. And eventually, he left. The guy who hired me, and they hired me on as the fitness manager at twenty four, twenty three, you know, twenty three, and um, okay. So that kind of led me into really training a shitload of people and getting good at selling training and, you know, really pushing myself mentally to get better as a bodybuilder, but um, also get better at training people and learning how to reach the most amount of people in terms of who I can help. So my original fitness manager, uh, the guy who hired me, who I just talked about, his name's Anthony, and um, that's who got me to do my first bodybuilding show at... 22 and um we did a muscle mania show in new york together and um he just got he came up to me one day and was like hey he's like i think i'm gonna do a show um do you want to do one with me and i was like i don't know man i've never i've always loved bodybuilding but i don't know if i'm ready you know it's that same stereotype of you're never big enough right so right he was like, just fucking do it. He's like, you're never going to be big enough. I know the magazines you look at. and I know who you look up to. You're never going to be big enough. Just do it with me. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this shit. So that was like 14 weeks away. And um, I was like, okay. And I, I was in pretty damn good shape. Like I was probably, if, if I came to myself now, I was probably seven weeks out. Like I had muscle separation everywhere. I was pretty lean because I did shit loads of clients. So I was always on my feet. Um, my diet was pretty damn clean because uh, that's the kind of clientele that we marketed to. So I wanted to be in good shape. So I was probably I was single digit body fat. Um, my legs. Let were me low- ask you. Yeah. Go when, ahead.
0: When when you did your first show, did you do the huge, uh, deplete and then load up and drop your like have salt and then drop all your salt and do that whole rigmarole? So here's the show.
1: Here's what's crazy. There's um, a book out there at the time that was called the Pre-Contest Bible. And it was all the top Olympians who had gotten on stage and how they did it. So I read that thing front to back in a weekend. And the one (laughs) I resonated with the most was Sean Ray. And he didn't do anything drastic. He just made all of his exercises drop sets. And he tapered his cardio up. And he loaded on sweet potatoes and honey. So that's what I did. And we took a train from Virginia to New York. And I had my big ass cooler of chicken, sweet potatoes, and honey. And I ate that the whole way up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was on no diuretics. That was just me being a natural person who tra- knew how to train his balls off. And right. I was a middleweight. And the moment we got in the weight in, like I knew who was going to win. And it was this monstrous 40-some-year-old black dude. And I knew there wasn't a chance in hell I was going to beat him. <laughs> so yeah. in that in that show, I got second. And I felt really happy with it. Um, I was in pretty good shape um, for my first show, in my opinion. And so I, we got back. And a couple of the guys who were at my gym was like, hey, we're doing a NPC show a couple weeks later. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's see what happens. And I was like, I want to take my conditioning to the next level. So I was eating like moderate carbs, probably 150 a day on a carb cycle. And I was doing like, mm, I think it was like 40 minutes of cardio per day on a treadmill, at like 3.0 speed. It wasn't anything crazy. So I got this idea that I was going to do something ridiculously drastic. I'd read where uh, Kevin LaVroni ate fish and vegetables every meal for the last two weeks to get in shape for Olympia. So that's what I did. Okay. Um, I had two cups of egg whites and green beans for breakfast. And then my next five meals were six ounces of tilapia and eight spares of asparagus.
0: Oh God.
1: And, yeah. And what's really funny is I, uh, my now wife, Angela, uh, was my girlfriend at the time and she made all my meals for me. And I literally would get home because I would like fall asleep coming home from work. Cause I still trained all those people each day. And I would lay in the floor in our kitchen And she'd wake me up for meal five and I'd eat it. And then she'd wake me up for meal six and I'd eat it. And then she had all my meals ready for the next day for me to take to work. Um, Wow. Yeah. She's always taking care of me, man. I'm super blessed. Yeah. And, um, I was, I think that in two weeks I dropped like 12 additional pounds and that was the leanest I'd ever been in my entire life. Um, I had that skeletal face. I looked and felt like death around the clock and, um, I'm sure Sadly, you a,
0: lost a ton of muscle, too, though. Right? Oh,
1: fuck yes, I did. It was awful. Yeah, um, I was, That was the best shape of my life. Um, one of the guys that was in, like I said, I went to our gym. Um, I knew he was going to be in my weight class. So he was a little bit bigger than me, but he always like cheated on Halloween candy. And I knew that. So my goal was I just wanted to beat him and I'd be happy. So I got like fifth out of 16 in a middleweight at an NPC show at a natural. And I felt really good about that. <laughs> Um, that's not bad no no I was super it, it was a big show um, on in the east coast this was had, what
0: this was what 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 year what what year are we talking about now
1: I was 23 at this time because it was my birthday it was right in the middle of that prep so I okay. just turned 23 and I, I, my goal was just to beat him I ended up placing top five so I was happy with that but I knew based upon a couple of the guys that I trusted they were like dude you just you just need to get bigger and I knew and I knew that Um, and so that's where we went from there. Um, that led me eventually into just getting into the competitive circuit and getting bigger. And at that same show, I think five years later, I got my ass kicked. Um, cause I jumped up to light heavyweight and I wasn't ready for that. And, um, that led me to essentially, going back to that show two years later 20 pounds heavier um and in better shape to win the heavyweight class there which is was huge for me because i'd gotten destroyed um i always tell people the best thing that ever happened to me was that show um i got third call out in the light heavies and um that made me be on a fucking purpose Um, from there out, um, leading up to that show where I got third call out, my mom died in the middle of that prep, um, out of nowhere. Um, she was, um, my dad called me on a Monday and I'd just gotten off the Stairmaster and, um, he said, Hey, your mom's going to the hospital. I said, okay, cool. He's like, you just might want to stop by after work by Sunday. She was dead. And, um, that that was like eight weeks out and I was working with Shelby at the time. And I remember I emailed him and I was like, listen, I haven't missed a meal. I hadn't missed a training session and I'm not missing a fucking cardio. Um, I was going days of like no sleep. Cause I'd go, once I knew it was bad, um, my wife and I would, uh, go alternate time with her, um, at night. So there'd be days where I wouldn't sleep. I'd train people all day. I'd hang out with her at night and then I'd go start my day over. And, um, wow. that was a long week. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like bodybuilding helped me there because it gave me purpose each day. Um, it gave me something to do to keep my mind off of, uh, her dying. And she'd always yeah. came, she always came to my shows and she supported me. And I remember like, I'd sit there in my cooler and sit by her bed and, um, she was having some like crazy, like psychosis type events. And like, she thought I was covered in tattoos, which I'm not, um, but She'd always be like, Chris, are you gonna eat or what? It's time for you to eat, right? And I'd be like, Yes, man. And uh, you know, it was cool. Like, I always tell people I train back in the morning we put her in the ground. Um, and that that kind of helped me on um, it, if if I'm not gonna lie. But that show that same year, I got third call out, and I remember I felt like not only did I let myself down, um, I'd let her down, and yeah. That following two years of my bodybuilding career is what I feel like made me um, who I am today. Um, is I, that
0: when you got on with uh, John or when did you start with yeah, John? Meadows? Yeah, I, sh-
1: I sure did. That's when I started with him. And um, Why,
0: Why'd you leave Shelby?
1: Um, so I, I stayed with Shelby Nutrition. Um, John did my training. Okay. John, had, and that's a lie. That timeline's off. Um, I trained with John through that show doing his training programs. And, okay. Um, but then after that showing, I remember telling him and Shelby, I was like, look, I just I, I'm going to kill myself for the next two years and see what happens. And they were like, OK, let's do this shit. And I, I was when I was with Shelby through that, um, I uh, he had me eating eight meals a day. I would have seven meals while I was waking. And then I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning on an alarm and I'd get up and pound a shake with olive oil in it. And I would go back to sleep and sleep for three hours and then wake up and go to work. Um, that's how serious we were. Um, I didn't miss a training session. Um, everything was perfect for that singular moment of stepping on the stage and went in that exact same show for my weight class. And like it showed like there was people that came that were like, Man, that's a different fucking animal. And again, that's just what I wanted to do. So and is that, this
0: and this is 2014 you're talking about then? So uh, four yes, years sir. ago? Yep,
1: 2014. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that's legitimate 20 pounds of stage tissue that wasn't you know how people boost those numbers um that was the truth <laughs> and um yeah you know that led me into eventually getting out of training people full-time because i was just running myself from the ground and that company even yeah. though it was great um they didn't respect me I, I was making them so much money and the money i would get was a quarter of what i was making them and right. It just the quality of life was terrible. Um, you know, I never, I never saw Ty, rarely. I didn't see Angela a ton unless they came to the gym. And, you know, I, she was pregnant with Daxon. And I'll never forget, I walked in on a Saturday and I looked at our general manager. I said, I'm done. This is my last day um, working. And I'm going to give you a four-week notice um, because that's the right thing to do because I've been here for eight years at this point, And uh, I'm going to work out this next month. And I'm moving on and she's like, hold on, I'm pregnant. You don't have a job lined up and you're just quitting. Um, And I was like, yeah, that's what we're going (laughs) to (laughs) do. And that was, that was on a Saturday and I reached out to John on a Monday and I said, Hey man, I was like, I just made a huge life decision. And if you have any work that you need done, or if you need to hire a coach, like, let's see what happens. Um, Like I'm more than happy. I'm telling you, like I said on my resume, so he got back to me and was like, yeah, I think I have something that will work for you. And um, I kind of did like almost like a, I joke, like, it's an internship. It was really him filling me out to see if I was good or not. And um, two months later, he hired me on as a full-time coach. And um, then that uh, led into me working my way up with him and um, being his lead coach to where we are today. So uh,
0: this, this, this was 2015 that you started full-time with John yeah, or in 2014. Okay. Uh, 2015.
1: Yeah. 2015. Yep. hundred percent.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So hold it. If you give me 30 seconds, I can tell you the exact day. Um, Cause I have my <laughs> payroll pulled up because I'm super organized. Um, my first month with him with him was in November of 2015. Um, so okay. yeah, it was, uh, that was the first month I ever uh, worked for him. Was the uh, I started on the first of November of 2015 to be a full time coach with him. So, yeah, um, and then we've never looked back um, because just like with everything in my life that led me to this point, I realized that if I worked my balls off, like it would pay off, and that was always confirmed. Even though it may be a difficult road to get there, um, that was always reinforced to me. So I did. This, I took the same level of passion and drive that I took with training clients one-on-one that I had on the football field that I had in the gym. And I applied that to working with him. And, um you know, I've, I've been fortunate, man. He's, you know, he's one of the great guys and influencers in this bodybuilding world. That's pure to this yeah, day. He is. And I, I'm forever grateful that I reached out to him for a training program. And, you know, people always laugh and joke, like his original training program that was 12 weeks that I bought from him was, uh six hundred dollars for twelve weeks. And um I didn't bat a fucking eye um because we had one conversation together and I told him I'll never forget this. Um I told him I said look do not hold back on me. I am not scared. You cannot hurt me. I will not run away. Um grind me into the fucking ground because I need to grow. And um he yeah. got back to me with my first program and it was um he titled it Training Program 12 weeks for Chris the insane and he's like, man, if you follow through with half of what you promised me, good things will happen. And I said, okay, let's right. do this shit. And um, we never looked back, man. He, um, he always gave me good quality work. And when I started working for him, I gave him exactly what he gave me as a client. So, um, yeah. Awesome. So
0: other than John, who, who are any of the peers that you uh, consult with, work with in the bodybuilding world?
1: in the bodybuilding world um yeah I've,
0: coaches trainers yeah people you follow
1: still to this day I, I i follow milos um you know he's the og intra workout carb pre-lift post-lift all yeah. that made sense to me and he loved killing people which is why i loved giant sets um because my butt my buddy Tyler and I did that an entire summer and we didn't get bigger, but I got in great fucking shape. My muscles were round and full. Now what we didn't know at the time is that we should have been pounding fucking insulin and growth hormone with it. Um, we didn't know that at the time (laughs) because they didn't publish that in the magazines. Um, right. But we still got in good shape off of it. Um, yeah. And it got me really being able to train hard and learn how to train hard. So I think that's, that's, that's number one. Um, Still to this day, John, um, you know, that he puts out so much good quality content. It's huge. Um, you know, Charles Glass still puts out good stuff. Um, the, the pros I'm kind of always drawn towards are the guys who work hard, um, to the, I, I've always been drawn towards Evan and as a, as a bodybuilder. Um, he's just smart and intelligent. I love how he really cares about what goes into his body from his food to his training. um, but then I really like the coaches who are more old school, like um, Oscar Arden. Um, he focuses so much on mindset, and that's where I think I'll help learn that from. Is If you watch that uh, bodybuilding documentary with him and Kai Green, where he just pushes him to the next level mentally and physically, Like I love mm-hmm. that stuff. So yeah. that's who I look up to for bodybuilding. Um, okay. If, if I'm being honest in my real life, um, who I look up to the most is, is my wife. Um, and one of the reasons why I was drawn to her when we were dating and still to this day, why you know, she pushed me to be a better person, to be yeah. a better man, to be a better father, um, and to be a better bodybuilder. Um, she calls my ass yeah. out all the fucking time and she's one of the few people outside of John, um, at the time Shelby, and you know, then when I was working with Matt, um, I value her opinion on how I look probably better than anyone. Because she's been with me through every show. Um, she yeah. knows when I'm full, she knows when I'm flat, she knows when I need more muscle, and she does not sugarcoat shit. If I look like asshole, she'll say, Chris, you don't look good. Um, and a funny story about her, we were doing the same show the Linda Murray uh in Virginia Beach and um she I was having like a pouty baby moment because I was like really really flat and no matter how many carbs I ate I was just getting flatter yeah and I was sitting there waiting for her to get tanned and I'm just sitting there just stewing and she's like are you going to fucking text Shelby or what and I was like no there's nothing he can fucking do like I was just pouting, right? Because I thought all that hard work was going to be for nothing, right? I thought that two years of suffering wasn't going to pay off. Right. And so she gets on her phone, emails Shelby and says, will you send Chris a fucking message? Because he's being a child and a little bitch and he needs to tighten up. You need to fix him. I'm telling you, yeah. he's flat. We need You need to feed him. And so he's his response to her was, Make him get up, take photos of him, and, send, and you send them to me. So she took my photos, even though I didn't want to. She sent them to him, and it worked perfectly. So <laughs> very rarely does someone have a spouse that can do that for them. Um, yeah, that is rare. She she just has an eye for this shit, man. Like and she and and she's been to so many bodybuilding shows with me. She's listened to me, you know, over and over talk about this shit, and she's just paid attention. She's a, she's smart, super sharp. Um, you know, she, I, I said, she's a counselor early in the show. She's really a, a VP of one of the biggest foster care agencies, uh, in the country. So that's what wow. she, re- that's what she really does for a living. Um, yeah. but mainly she just keeps my ass in line. If you want to be honest, um, you know, that's, that's it's cool to have that's, that support. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, you know, we've had some wonderful times together, but the times has been the best in my mind is when she's just looked me in my eyes and told me the fucking truth. Um, whether that be with work or my clients or, you know, brutal honesty,
0: brutal. Yeah. And that,
1: you know, that's the coaching I had. That's the way I was raised by my parents. My dad was in the military. He didn't take bullshit. Um, and that's the way my wife is. So, yeah, you know, that's why I think I coach the way I do is because that's how I respond. And, you know, as I said, like, I had to taper that down for some people cause I can't handle it. But w- without yeah. a doubt, like, you know, if, if she can manage both our kids, me on a contest prep, she has thousands of employees that, that she has to manage on a daily basis. And she doesn't even bat a fucking eye and can still get up and do yeah. cardio and weight train. Like I always laugh. My, my, my life is so easy compared to hers. Um, yeah. And, and yet she continues to wake up and fight every single day. And to me, like, if you have somebody that sleeps beside you in bed each night that does that shit, like that pushes you to be a better person. Yeah. It's (laughs) huge. Without a doubt. Um, Yeah. You have any other crazy questions for me? No,
0: I think that's it guys. And that will do it for our time for today. So for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Stay tuned for next time.